Hello, podcasts. Welcome to episode 11 in the series of conversations between me, Warren, and Stephen Griffin. In this episode, we take a longer look at collaboration. Collaboration, the art of working together. But Stephen explains it's much more than that. It's about creating an environment where both sides can get a big win-win. Uh, so big that both sides can get more from it than they put in. I was keen to talk mainly about collaboration, but Stephen explained that collaboration is just one of the five different approaches that we should have in our toolbox. The others being avoid, accommodate, compete, compromise, as well as collaboration. Stephen explains that we should intelligently decide which of the five strategies to use in particular situations and to be careful that we don't let our, as he calls it, emotional preferences guide us. To help explain, he guides me through a very public Q&A. You'll hear me floundering sometimes, so I hope when you're listening, you get more right than I did. I'm learning too. You can tell that from this episode especially. Some people will see some of this better written down. You'll hear me scribbling uh, during this episode sometimes. I will try and add some diagrams to the show notes. Otherwise, I will add them to my LinkedIn feed, uh, Warren Hammond. Otherwise, you can always access them on CoachPro, Stephen's platform. If you simply send an email to podcast at coachpro.online asking for 30 days free access, Let them know that Warren sent you and it'll be granted and then you'll be able to see it all written down. Understanding that we have a choice when we enter into a discussion is empowering and I learned a lot about my own emotional preferences during this. I hope you get something valuable from this too. See you at the end. Here comes the cheesy music. think so yeah we're on zoom again so i will check edinburgh can you hear me oh yes (laughs) loud and clear (laughs) this is good so here we are we're on episode 11 now um and today we are going to be talking about collaboration let's start first of all is collaboration what is it and what isn't it That's probably bad English, but you get my point. So collaboration is working together in my, in my head. I'm sure that you've got a better description for it. I think this is the thing about collaboration is that it's one of these things that people think that just means we're working together and we're not in conflict with each other and everything's going kind of smooth and easy. And there is conflict does come into this and, and, and collaboration does play a, a big part in this and relates to it. Collaboration is when it's a win-win. You know, collaboration is that when when you and I collaborate, we both get even more than we were both aiming for. Yeah. And and that's where the magic of collaboration happens. It's when the relationship is both highly assertive and also highly cooperative. You're making something that wouldn't just happen by itself. You're creating excessive value in something that wouldn't otherwise occur. You're bringing all the strengths 
between parties to really create something that is greater than the sum of the parts. Yes. But, I mean, collaboration to me, is, it always sounds one of those type of things which is the most obvious thing. Like, should you be collaborating? Yes, of course. You should, you know, should you eat healthily? Yes. Should you be sleeping? Yes. Should you be taking care of yourself? Of course. But we don't do these things. So when somebody says you should be collaborating, it sounds like, of course, it's something you should do. But at the same time, competition is everywhere. So we all enjoy competition. We all enjoy competitive sports. We all enjoy watching our teams win. And as a sales guy, I know that when we talk about a fantastic sales uh, exercise, it's when the customer's winning and we're winning and we feel we're actually genuinely helping them to achieve their own personal goals, personal and professional. Yet in a sales teams, it feels that, and throughout the whole organization, it feels that we're not built to collaborate. It feels that we're almost built to compete with each other within organizations. Is that true? Do you feel that most organizations are built to sort of a dog eat dog? Yeah, look, most most businesses, most organizations, most people think that they're collaborating when they tend to be either competing or accommodating or compromising. Say that again. So they either feel they're competing or accommodating. Yeah, or compromising. And the challenge and, and, and the gift in this is when you understand what collaboration really is and you can distinguish it between competing and accommodating and compromising or just avoiding, when you can distinguish it away from those four things, then you really see why it's a win-win rather than an element of winning and losing. Okay. We don't understand what collaboration is. Yeah, and look, most sales situations are not collaborative. It would be fantastic if they were collaborative, but most situation, most sales situations are competitive or accommodating or compromising for the sake of getting a deal done. Okay, so what we sometimes think is collaboration is actually accommodating, competing or compromising. Yeah, and look, deals need to get done. That's fine. Those are good options. As long as you don't think that's what collaboration looks like, there is a higher level, there is a bigger thing to be done, but it can only be done through collaboration. So in essence, there's, if you look at first of all the options that everybody has, you can choose to avoid, you can choose to compete, you can choose to accommodate, or you can choose to compromise or you can choose to create the environment where collaboration can happen. Okay. And all five options are valid. And it's important that you remain aware that you always have those five options. This isn't about just going into every situation and thinking, well, the only good approach, the only positive approach is collaboration. So that's important, isn't it? Because... In my head, there's always, always start with in my head and then something really bad comes out. I mean, what state must in my head be? But in my head, it almost feels that you should always be reaching for collaboration. It's, 
it's like this higher state. It's this great thing to do. But what you're saying is, is actually, no, there's a time and a place for collaboration. And you need to understand, is this the time and is this the place that you should create an environment for collaboration? First of all, it's been aware that there are five options. Yes. The next level of development is to understand when to choose each of these five options based upon the situation or the environment. And the third level then is how do you create an environment for collaboration to occur? Because out of those five options, collaboration is the one you need to create. The other four are responsive. First of all, it's understanding those five options and what those five options actually are. So that's interesting then. So in a way, collaboration as being the most active out of them is probably the hardest one to do because you actually have to do something positively and actively to make it happen. So then to be aware then that you have the choices of avoiding, competing, accommodating, compromising or collaboration. Is that the right order to think of them in? I first of all look at avoid because it's the one that people tend to do least. You know, I, I will look at avoid. If you look at the basis of assertiveness and cooperativeness, so one of it you're being on the front foot and you're being assertive, you're going for what you want. Being cooperative is when you're really wanting to help the other party or the other person. So if you look at avoidance, first of all, yeah. and avoiding is neither assertive or cooperative, so it scores low on both of those. So sorry, let's just go back one sec. So assertive and cooperative. So I know how you work a bit by now. This is going to be a chart then in my head. I've got a fee featuring. Is this like a two by two chart or something like this? Yeah, if you've got a horizontal and a vertical axis on this. Okay. So on the vertical, you've got assertiveness. Okay. And on the horizontal, you've got cooperativeness. Okay. So then avoid is low on assertive and low on cooperative. So in the bottom left-hand corner, you've got avoiding. Okay. And avoiding is not pretending it's not happening. Avoiding is deciding to step away from it for now. And those two words for now are really important. This isn't going into denial of something. This is deciding to avoid it for now. Yeah. And it can wait. I mean, going back to some of our stuff we've talked about before, this is lower down your list of priorities. You can come back to it. There's no harm being done leaving it. So it's not a negative tactic because you're choosing it. It's actually a proactive choice or it's a choice. Yeah. Yeah. And and we'll look at the, the hygiene factors that make that a good decision to choose. But it's a decision. It's not just uh, being blind to something or ignoring something or hoping it just goes away, it's making the decision, I'm going to step away from that for now. Okay. When you go to competing, competing is high on assertiveness. Yes. But it's low on cooperativeness. So competing is you going for what you want, everything that you want, but the other party's not going to get anything. This is you going after what you need and what you want, knowing that the other party is not going to get what they want. Yeah. And this is winning, basically. This is my desire to win and you lose. This isn't... It's, it's a win-lose. It's exactly that, a win-lose. It's not just a win, it's a win-lose. If you look at modern-day companies, 
you've got that whole GM model of, you know, you always fire the, the bottom 10%. You're, compa- you're comparing yourself to your peers and to everyone around you. Are you a top player? Are you medium? Are, are, are you, you know, are you in the bottom run? It feels that this is this win-lose mentality, not only in sales teams, but in all through organizations, how we are all appraised and how we are ranked, how we're rewarded, you know, pay rises, commissions, options, etc. This seems to be a massive part of I need to show I'm better than you. And if I help you, you move up a rung, actually, that could be bad for me. Yeah, but look, this, that's what competitiveness is. It's a win-lose. And and there are situations where deciding to compete is your best decision. But it's first of all understanding when you're choosing to compete what competing actually looks like. It should be highly assertive, low on cooperation, and you'd get, you're going for what you want at the expense of someone else. It's a win-lose. Okay. If you then flip to the opposite side of that, you get to accommodation. And accommodation is when you're being highly cooperative, but you're being very low on assertiveness. Yeah. So what you're doing is you're putting the interests of the other party first. So this is when you have a lose-win. So you are willing to lose knowing that the other party is going to win. That's what an accommodation looks like. I'll get no, You'll get exactly what you want, and I'll get nothing out of this. And you would do this in situations where the loss doesn't feel very big to you. Um, there's advantages for it in the future. The, the, for you to be making a decision to accommodate, there has to be reason. And we'll go into what are the hygiene factors to make accommodating a good choice. But the important thing about this is you have a reason for it. You're making a decision. Yes. You're not just becoming a victim. You're not just becoming you know, a, a mug or a fool. Um, you are making a decision to accommodate. Yes. And this is where understanding these choices becomes more empowering because you have these options. Rather than seeing competitiveness as a big strength, but only the weak people accommodate. You know, yes. It depends on the situation and you making that choice. So competing is you winning at someone else's expense. Accommodation is allowing someone else to win at your expense. Yes. And then between the two of those, so equally balanced of cooperative and assertive, is compromise. And compromise is neither of you getting what you want, but both of you getting something. Yeah, so both both sides walking away equally disappointed is how I describe it in sales, yeah. Okay. Well, that's in the middle of the... Of the squares? Bang, bang in the middle. Bang in the middle. It's a neither a win or a lose. Yeah. Okay. So nobody gets everything they want. But everyone gets something. So you walk away with dignity, pride, and everything intact. Okay. It's not what we want to, but at least it's something. Yeah. And there are times when that is a really good decision and choice. But again, it should be a decision and choice, not just somewhere you end up. Yes. And then that fifth choice that you want to be aiming for, but you'll have to create, is that collaboration, which is highly assertive and highly cooperative. And that is the only one that's a win-win. Great. Okay. And that's us both getting more out of this than we could have possibly put in. 
So what I like about this is we've got avoid, compete, accommodate, and compromise and collaboration. But it's the idea that avoid and accommodation can be good things. You're not running away. You know, you've made a positive choice to to do this. Yeah. Okay. It means you walk into every situation with five valid options in front of you. If all you've got is a hammer, then you'll see everything as a nail. So beginning with these options and choices allows you to then say, right, I've got different ways. So what's the situation? Exactly. And it makes it right because sometimes in your head, you know the right thing to do is to accommodate, but it feels wrong because you know, part of you has been brought up is that you don't back down. And I had a conversation yesterday with somebody of saying, it's my clients that keep asking me to do this. And I kind of know I shouldn't. It's like, but the situation you're in today is this is 100% the right thing to do. It's not the right thing to do in three months' time, but for where you are in your, in your life cycle, this is a brilliant thing to do. In a moment, there was an understanding is that you're allowed to accommodate for now. They relaxed. Everything was okay because they realized then there was a reason, but it isn't that you have to win every single, you know, compete and win every single step of the way. You're allowed to look at this, the bigger picture. I think that's what we're going to be talking about, isn't it then? You mentioned the the avoid. We were in a situation some years ago and one of the members of my family are are now in the exact same situation, which is quite unusual, where the person who they're selling their house to now wants to buy their house. Okay. So normally selling your house is a competitive situation. You want to sell your house (laughs) for the most you can get, and then you want to buy the next house for as low a price as you possibly can. And and the issue, and we had this at the beginning as well, the issue was that both parties haven't yet adjusted to the situation. So one of them is saying, I don't want to pay that for your house. And the others then having to say, well, if you don't pay that for my house, I can't afford to pay what you want for your house. Yeah. And they're still competing and asking for the other to accommodate. But that's but what when you're buying the house of the person who's buying yours, then you have to create the conditions to be able to collaborate. Yeah. Otherwise you'll both end up compromised at best. That's it. Actually compromise looks like the weakest one out of all of these now. Compromise feels like it's a hodgepodge of come on, you haven't decided anything you're gonna do. So let's but we'll see that the, the important thing just on this level is that remembering you've got those five options, Warren, yeah. and to get away from saying what's right and wrong, the, the strongest position is to be consciously aware of the five options. Yeah. Particularly as situations change, then you still got those five options. So it's not choosing one at the elimination of the other. But typically what you find is that you'll have a favourite, you'll have a default position that you start off with. You know, and it'll be your comfort, your confidence, or your preference. The one that you're most emotionally attached to, maybe the one that's worked for you before the most. And you will tend to say, well, I'm, I always start there, irrespective of what the situation is, which means you will be taking that approach in some situations where that is not the best approach to be taking. So this is like your typical guy who is usually a guy, unfortunately, who has to compete at everything, you know, has to win the school egg and spoon race. Yeah, well, look, uh, the soccer moms and the um, 
<laughs> the sports days where the mothers have to run with the egg and spoon, you can see how competitive that gets very quickly. And that can be competitive on outfits, the car you drive, the house you live in, the friends that you have, the social circles that you get into or are excluded from. It goes on all the time for everybody in every walk of life at different levels. It's all there. The challenge is that if you overuse one of those options, you then tend to create that environment rather than being able to work with the environment and create a better environment. If you're always competitive, people are always going to compete with you. Yes. So you think the world is all about competition, which means you always have to win and someone else has to lose. People aren't going to hang around for very long if they always have to lose to keep you happy. And equally, if you accommodate, so therefore everybody always gets what they want, you will then find a world of people who are happy for you to get nothing and they always get what they want. Yes. So the overusing of these choices can sometimes manifest that environment. It's best to be able to go in knowing that you've always got five options. And one of the key ones is avoid that most people will not allow themselves to avoid. And yet there are some situations where avoiding is exactly the best decision to take. One thing you, you said then is that people will tend, regardless of situation, to have a preferred approach. I mean, maybe it's just a personal thing. Is I know there are times when I am super competitive and I know there are other times where I genuinely don't care, you know, genuinely would be accommodating or avoid. But there's probably situations where I'm always competitive and there's probably ones where I'm always happy to avoid. But if you listen to your description of that, your choice to um, compete or accommodate is based on how much um, you care. So you either care you're going to compete and if you don't care, you accommodate. That's your emotion deciding which of those options. Uh rather than looking at the situation and the environment and saying, which one should I choose here? It's your emotions that's choosing for you. And this is what we do. It's our emotions, our confidence, or what's happened in the past. There will be one of these, possibly even two, that you overuse, that you go to too often at the exclusion of the others. And then there'll be at least one, possibly two, that you kind of never allow yourself the option to take. And then the third, the third aspect of this is that, and you've touched on this already, there is this positive assumption that if you're a good person, you'll always want to collaborate. Well, collaboration doesn't happen in isolation by its definition. Collaboration is everybody involved. So you just choosing in isolation, right, well, I'm going to collaborate and you take that into a situation where collaboration is not an option because the environment isn't there, then you're choosing an option that there are other options that would be better options, at least in the meantime. Yep. And compromise, competitive, accommodating, and avoiding can sometimes be a good platform on which to then build the environment in which collaboration can occur in future. I get this now. So that's good. So when we talked about emotional intelligence and it was choosing the right emotion to the right degree for a particular situation to get to the outcome you're looking for. So this is part of that, isn't it? This is, if I let emotion speak, sometimes I'm going to bring competition to the party 
when I should be bringing a different approach. Sometimes that is going to be the right thing, but I should let my intelligence choose that strategy, not my emotion choose that strategy. That's key. And what I'm also curious about then in this is whilst we have collaboration, and I do think it's it would be one of those things that everyone would say, yes, is the highest ideal of any organization, of any team, of any family, etc. It does feel a little bit weak. You know, it's a kind of competition is, you know, you have big steaks on the barbecue and it's a big sort of manly, assertive thing, but collaborative feels a bit weaker in, it, in its brand almost, you know, in, in the emotional component to it. In fact, I'd almost say that compromise is almost seen as a stronger thing. It's kind of like um, an honourable draw if you have a um, if you have a compromise. You know, you sort of you've been arm wrestling for 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 a couple of hours, and neither of you can you know neither of you can pin the other one down type thing. But how you're describing collaboration in, in that thing is actually this is really hard work. Yeah, you 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 can have yeah. to bring a lot to the table to make that work. Yeah, and look, it's it, and your description of compromise is why people will dress up as being collaborative when actually it was a there was a result, but it could have been so much more if we collaborated. But there was a result, so let's call it collaboration. Yeah. Okay. Because that's a better word. And that's the sexy yeah. word that everyone. Yeah. Okay. You're right. So many times in sales we we compete to win it and actually and we're also quite accommodating as well to win the business you know we will take bad business sometimes just to get the contract and dress it up as some sort of win and some sort of compromise or some sort of collaboration yes one of the examples of um small-mindedness that comes in a football club owner who I'd, I'd worked with, the finance side of things. They wanted to sell. They managed to get to a, a buyer, uh, a big American buyer, was really a lifelong fan of the club and everything else. Cut a long story short, they have to go and meet the guy uh, in the Bahamas because that's where his boat is. So they go and meet him. So the, the football owner gets on his own jet, flies out, um, has a four-hour sort of thrashing out a deal they, they agree on a price, everything's going to get done. And so what they're going to do is walk down to where his big luxury yacht is and sign the contracts there because, well, they're going, to, they're going to go there and have some drinks. Their lawyers will drop the contracts and they'll sign the contracts. So as they're walking along the jetty towards this massive big super yacht, the football club owner uh, says, is that your boat? And he went, yeah. He said, he said I've got a boat as well. He said, it's not anywhere near as big as that. And they said, yeah, it's, uh, it's cost this, it's got that, the heli- helipads on this, and I had to add this on and everything else. And the finance guy that I've been working with is walking behind them saying, this is fantastic, we've got a really good deal out of this, this is going to be great for the club, but great for the owner to get out and invest in the rest of his businesses and everything else. This is going fantastic, easier than I thought. They then get a tour of the boat and they start to tally up how much this thing must have cost and everything else. And by the time they sat down to sign the contracts, they pushed the contract over the table and the football club owner says, I want another 10. And the other guy said, you're kidding me on. 
And he said, well, you can clearly afford it. And the guy says, go off my boat. Almost there. Almost there. But couldn't let that competitiveness, moved it from collaboration in his own head into, wait a minute, am I losing here? Am I mug here? Am I being too accommodating? I could have got more for this. Yeah. And destroyed the deal. Absolutely destroyed the deal. Which would come back to haunt them later on. So important that when we're aware of the environment that we're in, if we're going to collaborate, collaborate isn't just something you have to create, it's also something you have to reinforce and hold on to. So we were going to talk mainly about collaboration, but I kind of now feel that to understand collaboration, we also kind of need to understand what the other four are about. So when do you choose for a void? When do you choose for compete? When do you choose for accommodation? And when do you choose for compromise? And when do you therefore choose for collaboration? So it'd be good to have a quick look at those. Is So when do you decide to choose that a void is the best option for you? Well, if, if you look at, and we've mentioned this thing, hygiene factors, and this is your reading of the situation. So first of all, as you said, being aware you've got five options. The second level of understanding is then saying, well, when do I choose these things? Yes. And this is based upon hygiene factors, as opposed to just emotional preference or habit or what you think is expected of you. Because what you've got to bear in mind as well is that some roles that you will play, either formally or informally, will push you into certain situations. You know, finance directors are not supposed to be accommodating, um, you know, for instance. Um, parents will have a role where they think they shouldn't compromise or all sorts of things. So these hygiene factors are where you can then make a conscious and intelligent decision on how am I going to approach this. And again, for now, because situations tend to be fluid. Okay. So either to keep them in that place, you need to work at it, or if if it moves or you want it to move to a different situation, you're aware of that. So there's five hygiene factors, okay? First things first is I got the five options. I don't let emotion dictate it. I let my intelligence dictate it. And this is what my intelligence should be choosing. So it says, this is when you choose these different things. Okay. Yeah. And that's when it becomes empowering. So the first thing you need to look at is value. The second is trust. Mm -hmm. Value, trust. The third is the element of emotion or stress. The fourth is complexity. And the last one is time. Okay, so we've got value, trust, emotion, and stress, complexity, and time. So based on what the situation is, we look at these five components, and then this will help us to decide which of the options to choose for. Okay. Yes. Take it away. So if we take a void, first of all. If you were going to choose to avoid, which is you saying, okay, I'm going to step away from that for now. I'm going to leave it for now. In terms of value, should that value be high, low, or moderate? Low for us both? Yes, because if it was low for you, but it was high value to me, and then you're just avoiding it. Then that's bad. that's That's not really going to work for me. So if it's of low value to us both, then avoiding becomes an option. In fact, then what you're saying is then, so if this is low value to me, but high value to you, avoiding is actually a bad strategy. 
Okay, so let's take that situation. It's of low value to you, but high value to me. So what of the other options should we be choosing? This would be accommodation. Accommodation, because you'd be happy to accommodate where you get nothing and I get what I'm looking for, because it's something of low value to you, but high value to me. Yes. If it's of high value to you, but low value to me, what's your option? Competing. Because it's of low value to me, so you getting what you want out of that, I'm okay with. doesn't feel much like a win there, but yeah, I get your point. Well, you get everything you want on it and I get nothing. So, happy days. How much of a win do you want? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. I know. You know, you're not, you don't see someone's face in the mud if they don't read now. You want to see them crying. You know, it's like winning the FA Cup if they didn't want to win the FA Cup. I mean, there's no joy in that, is there? Anyway, but yes, I get your point. <laughs> so if, if, we, if we stick with a void for now, yeah. so in terms of value, if it's of low value to both, then you've got the option to avoid. And it is amazing how many times I get to go into situations where people are in the middle of something that's of little value to either of them, yet they just feel they've got to deal with everything that's put in front of them. In terms of trust, when is it good to step away? When the trust is high, low or moderate? I guess, again, you'd step away. If it's low, I mean, that's the safety aspect. If the if you're not feeling uh, trust. For, for now, if I don't, if I don't, I'm not fully clear on what your agenda is and what you're aiming for, and I'm not sure you're getting where I'm coming from, then best not to step forward and proceed. Let, let's step back from that just now. Maybe there's some work to do in building trust, first of all. Yeah. Okay. In terms of emotion and stress, when is it good to step away? when it's high, low, or moderate? Okay. I know these sort of trick questions now are I always going to get it wrong? Because part of me saying is when you're highly stressed is a good time to go away. But another time it's like, well, if it's not, if I don't care that much about it, that's also a good time to step away. So I'm going to go for, I'm going to avoid something when I have a low emotion about it. And this is, this is sometimes the conflict between caring and emotion and stress. Um, It shouldn't really be down to how much you care. (laughs) Um, It's about how much emotion and stress is in the situation. Okay. Not if, if everyone is losing it, if everyone's kicking off, that's the time to be saying, look, let's take 10. Let, let's look, or let's stop this just now, come back to it tomorrow. Okay, so this is this is more when emotion is overflowing and is, and is overtaking intelligence rather than this is how much, this, this, is, this isn't a question of how important it is to me, it's how in control of my emotions I am. Okay, that makes it's, better sense. It's, it's the amount of emotion and stress involved. It's not about how much you care, it's about how much emotion and stress is involved. And if the emotion and stress is high, it's not the best time to be making decisions. Let's step away until we can bring that emotion and stress down. But let's not make decisions out of panic. Yes. Okay. So high, high emotion then, avoid. High emotion and stress, yeah. Yeah, just stop. stop press, press pause just now. Go and get a cup of tea. Come back. Okay. To explain complexity. Low complexity is when it's something that sits completely on its own. 
High complexity is when something is an integral part to the whole big picture. It's an essential thing. And moderate complexity is when it is linked to two or three other things. So if you're going to choose to avoid, if you're going to choose to step away from something just now, it needs to be low complexity. Otherwise, it's going to stop everything else. Absolutely. So if it's high complexity, if it's essential, you really can't choose to avoid because you're going to hold everything up. If you can take that clause out of the contract and put it to the side just now, if we can put that difference that you and I have to the side just now, if we can leave that previous experience at the door for now, all those things, if you can take those things out, then you can choose to avoid just now. But if it's an integral part to everything, you're holding everything else up. Yep, that makes sense. And in terms of time, when is it okay to avoid when you've got lots of time and you've got no time when you've got some time? So this is, let's say, so this is time pressure. Is that, is that how I should look at it? It's the amount, of, the amount of time that you have. Yeah. So if the more time I've got, the less urgent it is, the easier it is to, to avoid. Yeah, I'm always surprised, yes. even in myself, how often you're running at things that you really don't need to run at yet. Now, this isn't a conversation we need to have just now. That's a conversation we will have to have, but neither the time. The avoiding is actually is not now. This And, and I think that was the, the two words you, you stressed earlier was the for now. It's, it's not that it's, it's being eliminated. We're just not going to deal with it for now because there's time. And it's why avoiding, and it's a strong word, avoiding, but it's what grabs people's attention on it to, to ensure that actually choosing not to do something for now can be a positive. It's what can stop you getting overwhelmed um, because there are some things that you really don't need to do just now. It's some things that are further down the line. Yeah. So you're putting on the back burner a bit then. Nothing's eliminated. So avoiding is quite an emotive word, but it, it isn't that you're forgetting about it. It's just just not not for now, as you said earlier. Okay. Yeah. And look, that can be on the positive as much on the negative. It can be something you're really excited and can't wait to get to as much as it's something that you're really dreading. But time, if you've got if you've got time, then you have the option to avoid. You don't need to do this today, now. Then avoid it if you can. That makes sense to me. Yep, okay. And, and look, there are times, and particularly in relationships, where getting a bit of space makes such a difference. Yes. That's why in lockdown it was really difficult for a lot of people because it wasn't you couldn't go out, you couldn't create the space, so very difficult to avoid each other. And avoiding each other at times for a period can be a very healthy thing because it allows the emotion and stress to go back down. Yes. And there's a little bit of trust that's built up by giving someone their space. That doesn't mean to say you're going to ignore it and pretend it never happened. It's just let's get in a better space first before we then start to deal with it. And this is our assessing the situation so you can choose what to choose. So, for example, at the moment, you're saying is if you're highly stressed, you know, you may want to avoid this situation. Okay. And until those circumstances change. Now, the circumstances may change by themselves, or you can proactively look to change some of these these elements. Yes. I'm, I'm However, if you choose to avoid, if you're avoiding the things that need to be done right now, there's going to be negative consequences. If you're avoiding the stuff that's of high value to other people, 
they're not going to be happy. So we've got value, trust, emotion, complexity, and time. So for avoid, it's low value to both parties. Trust isn't there. Emotions are running high. It's low in complexity, so it's a singular, standalone issue. And you've got time on your side. It's not a battle you need to take on just yet. Yes. Okay. So compete. So this is going to be high value to me. Yeah, because this is you winning at someone else losing. This is you getting what you want and the other person not getting anything. Does it have to be low value to the other person or lower value to the other person? It has to be low value. If you're going to compete, it has to be low value. Otherwise, you've got other options that are better. Yes. Okay, that's the trick. So there are. this is the optimum. So I know that we go into situations where it's very important to us both. Basically, what you're saying is in that case, don't choose, don't choose compete, even though I know that I sometimes will choose compete. It's you, you should choose better options, which we're going to get to. Okay. But to compete, it needs to be of high value to you and low value to someone else. And what that also means, Warren, is that it has to be high value to you. If you're someone who just goes in and competes all the time, you'll be competing on things that have no value to you, little value to you. So you need to understand why you're layering up this low value thing to be, you know, why is the egg and spoon race important to you? And if it is, it is, but it's ensuring that you're saying, no, this really matters to me. Yeah. This matters enough that I'm going to push for this. I'm going to be really assertive on this because this bit matters. Yes. So in terms of trust, for that to work, what level does the trust need to be? If I'm competing, I'm not that fussed, but, or is this my trust? It's the, it's the trust in that relationship. If, if you're going to compete with me and I don't trust you, how am I going to respond to you competing? I mean, I guess you'd want it high. At, at least moderate. Yeah. At least moderate. There needs to be an element of trust there. If the trust is too low, I don't even know. I wouldn't even know whether to trust and whether you were competing or whether you knew what you were doing or whether it was important to you or not. Okay. There needs to be a moderate level of trust there. If it's high trust, great. But if there's high trust, there might be better options. But certainly moderate trust at least. Okay. In terms of emotion and stress, and this is the emotion and stress in the situation, not how much you care about it, but the emotion and stress involved. For you to get what you want and for me not to get anything and for me to be okay with that, then high lower, high lower moderate then stress. Then I would be, I could have high stress, but you must have low stress. If I think you're stressed and you're competing, if you're highly stressed, if I see you're highly stressed and I think, well, maybe if it was calmer, he wouldn't be competing. I know. I th- maybe I just compete in all the wrong places, but I'm just thinking. <laughs> this, this, is, this is looking at the hygiene factors for this rather than you sort of saying, this is what I do. The, the optimal. Yeah, so this is when I should compete is what you're saying, and I'm finding that hard. Well, this is when the environment is right for you to say, this is the right environment for me to compete. It should be something that's really high value to you, but not of value to the other person. Yeah. There should at least be a moderate level of trust. In terms of emotion and stress involved, it should be low to moderate. Okay. In terms of complexity, 
And this is really important for this. In terms of complexity, should it be something that sits completely on its own, something that's integrated and essential to everything, or something that's linked to two or three other things? So if, it, if it's complex, then it's definitely not a competition because this is a one-off battle type thing. So I would say this would be low to moderate. Actually, you're looking for it to be moderate. Okay. You're absolutely right about the high level of complexity. So you're, if you're looking to compete, you're looking for this to be moderate complexity. If it's low complexity, it's something that sits on its own, then you've won and I've lost and the game's ended. Then I, f- I feel you. Well, I want to win the next game. Yeah. If it's high complexity and you win and I lose, and I think, is this going to happen with everything now? Because this is we've set a, we've set a precedence here. This is how it's going to work. The value of it being moderate is that it's linked to two or three other things so that we can say, okay, right, right, Warren, you're going to win on this. I'm going to get nothing out of this. But there are a couple of things I'm going to want to come back on that I'm going to want to win on because they're going to be important to me. So I'm okay for you winning on this and me getting nothing, but I'm going to be back to you with some other things. Now, there's going to be some things that are of high value to me and low value to you that I'm going to be looking for that same accommodation. Okay. So I'm, I'm okay you winning on yeah. this, but I'm going to be back to you with some things I need to win on. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. I'm still working on the fact that you're giving me a template for optimal. So every time I get an answer wrong, which pre-editing has been pretty often so far, it just shows me how bad I am at this. I mean, it's all right. I'll be brilliant by the end of the edit. But it's- I'll, I'll see that the, the thing, and all joking aside, but the thing is that I, I get to work with people who are consistently a 6, 7, 8 out of 10. This is what a 9 and a 10 will look like. And you don't need to hit that every single time. But there's some things where you can't. So medium complexity, and in, in terms of time? Yes. Um, yeah, I'd say you pretty need to be quite short on time. Absolutely. You're running out of time. When the cost of not making a decision is going to be more expensive than making a decision. Okay. So look, we've talked all this through. I need this. This is really important to me. And it doesn't make that big a difference to you. I need this. And therefore, when when... Competing is your starting position when you have time, that's suboptimal. Now, accommodation is just the opposite of that. That's what I was thinking. So so competing, it was high for me, low for you. Now it's low for me, high for high for you. Trust is a similar situation. And it makes and it makes sort of sense when you talk about it on that side, is that you're easy you you would find it easier to accommodate somebody where there is a moderate amount of trust. So actually it makes more sense feeling from that side for, for me. Emotion, low to medium, kind of makes sense as well. I'd be happier to accommodate it without feeling sh- stressful. Complexity, again, yeah, fine. This is something which um, is just part of a bigger picture maybe that I can I can start to see and time. Yeah, we haven't really got much time. So it's almost, this is like a higher version of avoid is like, you know, I don't really want to spend much time on it, but you're right. I do understand we need to get a move on with this. So this is something I'm prepared to give up. And on the, on the accommodation piece there and going back to what you'd said earlier on is people will tend to accommodate when they don't care. Yeah. Accommodation is a really good choice, not just a default position. Yes. 
actually accommodating where some people see accommodation as being weak. Accommodation only strengthens your position as long as you're making it clear I'm accommodating you. Yes, the quid pro quo, isn't it? You know, is, is there's an understanding and, and we're naturally drawn towards more of a sort of a zero-sum game, I think, aren't we? So that so you're right, if you make it clear, and again, this is what, what you do is with, with certain contracts is when you are giving something away, it's just that making it 100% clear what you're giving away. Yes, and an accommodation is the clarification you're going to be looking for something in return. Yes. Giving in is just giving in. You know, just because you don't care about it doesn't mean to say it doesn't have indirect value. Accommodation is saying, I'm going to give you that. I'm deciding to give you that because I understand how it's important, how important it is to you. But I'm going to be looking for something at some point. And that's where the trust comes back into it then. So with low trust. And that helps build that trust. Exactly. With that low trust, I think you're just actually here to try to humiliate me. Meaning trust is like, yeah. We are we're on our path to, to to coming to some sort of mutual arrangement. Okay. And if if I know that you've accommodated me, I know that's something quite pro, pro quo. I need to give you something back at some point. If you haven't made it clear that you've accommodated me, I might just think it's a compromise. Yes. For all you nothing. Now this makes good sense. And actually, accommodate and compete. When you look at it from the two sides, it makes to me more sense for to understanding the circumstances of when you want to compete. Yeah, the circumstances you would be prepared to accommodate makes sense that you want the other person to feel like that when you're in that competing. So the competing isn't rubbing someone's face into the dirt. The competing is just to get what you want pretty much in a one-sided way, but that doesn't necessarily need to be that the other person is left floundering is that they've given up something they're prepared to give up in that in that competing yeah people who overly compete the rest of the world doesn't then know what's of real value to you because you're competing on everything and that's the whole point and in a suboptimal way is and we'll get to this is if it's high value to both and you insist on competing then this is when you're going to destroy relation trust and etc and you and this, and this is where you land in the fourth option, which is compromise. Yep. So compromise, again, we have the five categories, so value. So when is it best to choose to compromise in terms of value? I'd say higher medium value. To you? Um, I think it's got, well, I think you've both got to be the same. It's got to be equal. Yeah, and, and, and that's the key word, and it's equal. Yeah, okay. It can be equally low, equally moderate or equally high, but it's equal. You know, competing is high to you, low to them. Accommodating is when it's low to you and high to them. Compromise is when it's equal. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. It's, it's, it's both prepared to give up ground. I'd say trust for a compromise, again, that's pretty much needs to be quite equal as well. It needs to be at least moderate. If we've got low trust and, and we both get low trust, we will not trust that this is a compromise. We will think the other person's winning and we'll find it very difficult to come to a compromise. Okay. It won't feel like compromise. Okay. So moderate at least for compromise in terms of trust. Okay. Emotion and stress. Um, yeah, I'd say moderate again, low to moderate. Yeah. 
and complexity. That can be if it was high, that could be high and mid to medium. I'm guessing if it's high complexity and we've just compromised. So high complexity is it's integral and essential for everything, and we've just compromised on that. So compromise being neither of us getting what we want, but we both end up with something. What what's the precedence we're setting there if it's high complexity? But if the choice is is that you either don't get over this barrier, then you won't get to the next one. That's that was my. And this is, and that's exactly why there are so many compromised deals that didn't need to be compromised, because the complexity was high. If we're going to compromise, let's let's take that. So low to moderate complexity is the most important thing for compromise in terms of complexity, because you're saying, okay, well, let, just because we're compromising on these two or three things doesn't mean to say we need to compromise on everything. Okay. Otherwise, we're setting a precedence that the whole thing is now suboptimal. Okay. I get your point. And if it is something that sets a precedence for everything, compromise is not an option. That's optimal. Yeah. I guess that's the, and that's the thing, when just touching it, is, is this always optimal? It's just that you just know in your head, you're just running through different scenarios and you know that there's loads of times mm. where because it is incredibly complex, you do compromise on the number of different points just to keep going. You know, you've got so many different things to go through. Yeah. And I think time is obviously short in compromise because it's a quicker it's a quicker way of getting to the middle. Well, most most compromise deals are sorted out on the steps up to the courthouse. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They're done last minute. And th- and this is important. So many deals that I see people walk in. And the starting position is compromise. People go into relationships compromising. And then they wonder why it's always a six out of 10, which is great until a six is no longer great. You know, but when you've had relationships that are two or three out of 10, or you've done deals as a two or three out of 10, all of a sudden a six, you're doubling your money. But it won't get you to a seven or eight or a nine or a 10. Okay. Compromise allows it to continue. Exactly. That's how it kind of feels. Is that it just keeps the wheels turning sometimes yes. when things are getting hard. That's the number of times I know that you've done the compromise. But if you, but if you've compromised that we're keeping the wheels turning, but the car's on its roof, then you're not heading towards anything better. Yeah. Okay. So I'm interested then in the right circumstances for collaboration, but then it's also going to be is how do you change these values yourself so you can create a situation where you, you can choose? Well, and, and this is the moving in. I mean, the, these first four options are all sort of in response to the environment that you're in exactly. initially. But, you know, if you want to go from accommodating to competing or compromise, mm-hmm. you can move along, exactly. but you need to change the, the hygiene factors. You maybe need to develop a bit more trust to get from avoiding to compromise, then, you know, if we need to do do something, we run out of time. And that's a classic sales thing, isn't it? I mean, when your prospect's not answering your phone call, doesn't see the urgency of it, and you're just like, how do I convince them that this is something which should be on their to-do list? And as you said, you know, they don't don't see the value of this to themselves, and so they are avoiding it. Yeah, or, or maybe they don't trust you anymore. Exactly. There's a, so you've got all these different elements. Or or maybe you winning last time was stressful for them. 
So they go on to avoid. So it allows you to read why the dynamic has shifted and been able to go and help the situation and the other party move through these different options. It's a good one, actually, that emotion like being high. So, yeah, previous experience with you, but also sometimes how people try to inject urgency into the situation will be to try to make it more stressful for the for the potential buyer. And actually, yeah. that can be counterproductive. It's- if, if you think of, you know, in sales in particular, the biggest thing you've got is the is the call avoidance on both parties. And a lot of that's down to the emotion, particularly if you're putting a new product out there, a new service out there, and, and you wonder why people are avoiding. It's not that they're not interested. It's just that it's better for them to avoid for just now. But if they then hear good stuff, if they then hear referrals, if they then hear recommendations, that gets them emotionally to feel differently about it. And they feel even through others, they can yeah. trust it a lot bit more because they've seen it around for a while. Then that changes. Yes. Okay. Let's go so to collaboration then. So the the optimum environment to create a collaborative way of working. So I'm assuming value to both parties has got to be high. Absolutely. Anything less than high, you're going to find yourself taking other options. Okay. And this is where when you've got the kind of collaborative crusaders who because it's high value to them and they say well, this must be high valued everybody must see yeah. this everybody must get it therefore i'm going to collaborate with the world because they're going to love this when they see it it has to be high value to both and that doesn't mean to say the value in itself is the same but the level of value needs to be the same exactly and you can link this to different people's personal professional values but it's the reason that they are engaging in this process is so important to them it's going to be top of their list and top of minding and stuff yeah someone in sales is desperate to sell a buyer's desperate to get a great deal those are two different things but that val- they can collaborate if they're both aiming for that high value thing and then trust this has to be high in collaboration got to be high as part of this journey it's, it's how you're going to create this trust environment but i guess i'm going to have to come to this for emotion and stress well, I think okay, emo, emo, let's say stress is, is, is in my head is a better word. This has got to be moderate to low. Yeah. I would say moderate, I'd still like some sense of urgency in this. Yeah. Okay. I Absolutely. Yeah. Complexity can be high. I mean, it can be, it could be low, but. Well, this is where complexity in terms of collaboration is slightly different. Okay. This is not about complexity in the process. This is complexity of benefit. So for collaboration to happen, the benefit needs to be complex. So rather than you and I doing something and one and one equaling two or three, this is about us collaborating so that us doing this equates to something that could lead to three or four or five other opportunities that it spirals off in terms of benefit. It can become a catalyst rather than a, a than an outcome. Yeah. So this is where the link with the values become clear. This is where these two then would really start connecting back again. All of the values that you layer up onto this, you, you start to see links in with the complexity. So actually, even if it was a simple outcome, what I would be saying to you is this would enable you to improve your your working life. You know, this would take hours off your working week. I would want you to do 
joint press release with me, which would improve your social standing or your professional standing within the company. This would give you speaking opportunities because we'd invite you to do to do this referral. So those so the complexity of benefits then is what you're saying is yes. you you would link it with the values as well to sit to see this. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So even if it was a low complexity outcome, the wins are so vast and so interesting that this is another good reason for the collaboration. Okay. And time, I mean you're always going to want some time for this. But I kind of feel that if you've got high trust, et cetera, in this, I mean, I think, was it the um, Covey follow-on, the speed of trust? You know, the higher the trust, the lower the emotion, the faster you can move on these type of things. So I'm going to guess medium to high. Got to be high. Collaboration takes time. Collaboration is about your bigger picture, longer term. There's no point in getting into someone saying it's Tuesday, right? We need this done by Friday. Let's collaborate. That's going to be a, a positive compromise at best. Okay. Now, collaboration doesn't mean that we can't collaborate between now and Friday, but collaboration will only happen if what we do between now and Friday is connected to what we're aiming for over the next two, three, four years. Yes. Okay. It's that bigger picture, longer term, end in mind thinking. That's what's required for collaboration because it's that big, it's had that high value, the complexity of benefit is so extensive, you're not going to see that for a while. Yeah. So you need to have that bigger picture, longer term view. That makes sense. So it fits in again with the with the with the values and the complexity of outcomes is there can be short term wins in this collaborative approach, but you need to have that long distance horizon to be able to build those the, the values and the complexity of, of outcomes into it to get those short-term wins. Yeah, that makes sense. So it's, it's kind of interesting. The moment you talk about then the collaboration, even the definitions are changing. You know, suddenly it isn't like when you're doing competition, you're not thinking necessarily about what three years down the line looks like or 25 years down the line looks like but the moment you you set off on the journey of collaboration you take the time in 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 defining values you have to build the time before you even get that to make sure the trust is there collaboration is the bit warren where you're actually going beyond what's in front of you you have to create it that's been creative and the benefits creative and the value creative and the time it's seeing something here but within a bigger picture so you're creating better perspective. Yes. So that's why collaboration doesn't just happen by itself. But when you're then going to create that collaborative environment in your life or your work or your business or your relationships, that's when you really have to create the environment so that others can join in that collaboration. You know, so if if you don't know what your customer or your partner or the person you're trying to connect with is aiming for, you can't collaborate. This goes back to so many things like purpose, you know, having that strong sense of purpose for yourself. But collaboration is also connecting to the other person's strong sense of purpose and making sure that you've got the, the same the same ones. And yeah, Look, it's, you know, Tracy and I have been together for more than 25 years and we, on a daily basis, will have things that we avoid <laughs> some things that I'll choose to compete and sometimes I get away with it. Um, a lot of the time I will accommodate um, and a lot of the time we'll compromise. But when we've been at our best over those 
25 plus years is when we've collaborated on things. Yeah. You know, and there's times where you need to create those opportunities for collaboration because life itself doesn't throw you too many of those unless you choose to create them. And as a parent, you know, and the two boys that I've got, there are times as a parent where I've really wanted to avoid because I've been scared of getting it wrong. There's times when I've been tempted to compete because I think I know what's best for them and and what I want for them is what will be best for them in my head. And then there's other times where I felt uncomfortable but accommodated because I didn't want to push the buttons that I know the reaction I would get. Therefore, I'm going to step back from that because is it really that important? And then there's also times where it's a, a it's a compromise. And certainly when they're 5,000 miles away playing soccer in the US, it's there's a lot of compromise involved in there because, you know, they tell you about a decision that needs to be taken by tonight sort of thing. So you're out of time. <laughs> but what helps with all that is connecting with that bigger picture of we're also collaborating. You know, what what you want for them doesn't isn't mutually exclusive for what you want for yourself. And when you connect with that, it helps give you that perspective. Collaboration is a fantastic one-one thing. But the other four options are really good platforms and sometimes essential parts of the process to give you the opportunity to build collaboration. That's exactly it, isn't it? For me, it feels like if you've got collaboration, you're allowed to use the other four in, in, it feels like in a lot more positive way because you have got collaboration there. However, sometimes you choose not to go to that because just what you've just ex- explained with your family situation there. But without collaboration there as an option, it kind of always feels that you, you're missing out. The two, two main situations I'll come across with people in terms of collaboration is that they're doing a four, five, and six because they don't know actually how to build a collaborative environment. So they've given up that collaboration is an option. Yeah. Because they're always willing to collaborate. Why is everybody else not able to? The environment's never there. And they don't know how to build that environment. And you do need to build the environment. And if that happens for so long, they give up on collaboration and they think this just doesn't happen in this company you know, when it was a small company, we were all in it. I felt it was more collaborative. Now it's too corporate. Yes. Or, or relationships become suboptimal and you live with a four, five or six that, that long, you think this is all there is. This is why this is empowering is to know what you can do to build that environment. And the other situation you will find is that some people will dress up a four, five or six as a seven, eight or nine. And it's tough to know that you're living suboptimal, but you can be inspired that optimal is available to you. And, and that's where understanding not just collaboration is a good thing, but actually understanding what it's made up of and how you build it, how you create it, empowers you to be able to have that as and when it's available or it's possible for you to create it. But not then to be disheartened when you've got four other options that might be better at that moment. I know we've got to wrap up. But I think one thing then would be really good to talk about next time is trust. I think that should be a biggie for next time because we're not going to have time to go into it now. Yeah. Okay. So it'll be trust next time. I trust you'll be ready. Da, 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 da. I know. God almighty. I know. I don't want to listen to myself sometimes. <laughs> Thank you, Stephen. This is very good. 
So there we are, collaboration is good. I said we covered a lot of ground. Avoid, accommodate, compete, compromise. These are interesting ideas. I started to see it everywhere around me already. You do see people going for win-lose in, in times when you think, is that really valuable for you? Is that really the most valuable thing you're looking for, or do you just like the idea of winning? Anyway, we, as mentioned, we talk about trust in the next episode, so I hope you join us for that one as well. In the meantime, thanks for listening. Thanks for the feedback we're getting. If you've got um, anything you want to discuss or you want to talk about or you want to comment on, um, I'm easy to find on LinkedIn. Otherwise, please contact us at podcast at coachpro, or one word, dot online. Until next time, have a good week. Mm-hmm.